come boldly to the throne of grace uh, that we might find, uh, find, might find grace and obtain mercy in, uh, in times of need, right? And so, uh, so there's grace and mercy available at the throne of grace. And he said to come boldly. So, you know, um, if you think about how your kids act towards you, you know, for the most part, they act boldly, right? They walk in, open the fridge. I don't ask, you know, they just, you know, if there's something there that they want, they just take it, right? And because they're the kids and they know that uh, really, you know, that that's, that's, uh, um, that that's fair to do right now. They wouldn't necessarily rummage through your sock drawer and pull out all your change, you know, and, and go do something with that. Uh, but, you know, uh, in certain areas, they, they have a lot of boldness and they don't have, they don't have any um, hesitancy often to ask for help. Sometimes they do, uh, but, you know, if they need help, moving furniture, you know, whatever. Um, I know when my oldest daughter moved, she called up and said, hey, um, Dad, are you and Jared doing anything? Because, you know, and so, no, because uh, we knew she was getting ready to move. And so we, we said, well, how much, you how much stuff you got? I just got a couple boxes, you know. And is, all, is it all packed? Oh, yeah, it's all packed up. When we got there, of course, you know, she hadn't even rolled out of bed yet. And, and um, um uh, and there was, what, a thousand boxes? Is that right, Jared? You know, there, it may have been more than that. I don't know. Uh, it seemed like it was. It's third floor, no, no elevator, right? <laughs> and so, uh, but um, that's all right. Um, that's part of the deal, right? And so we should be able to ask boldly of the things that we need of the Lord. Uh, and so, um, so before we, before we get started in the Word tonight, uh, you know, I told you that... Uh, um, uh, Rick Renner's ministry had ordered a bunch of our books, and um, I had delivered them out there back in January, um, and uh, they were going to start a promotion, uh, well, February this month. They started it actually on Monday of this week, and so all of this week they're promoting it, uh, the book on, on his uh, TV show, and you can watch it online. Uh, you can go to YouTube, watch it on rickrenner.org. Um, I guess it's rickrenner.org. Um, I think it's RennerMinistries.org. Um, you can find it. If you search for Rick Renner, you'll find it. Uh, if you go to YouTube, you can uh, look it up under Rick Renner. And so he has a, a daily show. And, of course, he hits on uh, the Victory Channel. And um, uh, we've got a Christian channel on our uh, direct TV. I don't know what the name of the channel is, but it's not Victory Channel. Um, but it's on there as well. So um, so I thought if you'd like, uh, we'll play that just uh, uh, he does a... Uh, uh, plug for the book at the beginning of the message and at the end of the message, so I thought we'd just play uh, the plug that he does at the beginning of the message, so that's all right. So go ahead and hit play there, Jared. Offering you a resource that I'm really excited about. I didn't write it. I wish I had. That's how wonderful it is. And it's called Our Healing Covenant, God's Promises for divine health. And I'll be honest, this was given to me as a gift. And when I opened it, I was so amazed at what I found in this book. It is just the biggest archive I have ever found about all the verses in the Bible having to do with healing and divine health. In fact, listen to this. In this book, there are 454 verses from 430 translations, 6,549 references, all having to do with the subject of healing. And if you've really wanted an exhaustive resource having to do with healing, well, here it is. The book is called Healing Our Covenant, God's Promises for Divine Health. It is a resource that is just mind-boggling. It covers every single verse having to do with healing, deliverance, long life, good life. And when you see all of these verses, you will absolutely be convinced it is God's will for you to be whole, healthy, and to live a long life. And I really want you to order this book. So go online. You can order all these things or give us a call. And remember that when you become a partner with our ministry... Yeah, so, um, uh, of course, at, at the, uh, I don't know if they just did it for one day, but um, uh, if you order it, they'll, they're bribing you, and they also throw in a, a, uh, a Russian chocolate bar, too, right? So if you order from us, we're not sending you a Russian chocolate bar, you know, but because um, uh, he actually lives in, in, uh, in Moscow. Uh, and so uh, Chris and I were talking about it, and 
we've actually sent a copy of this book to uh, to several folks over the over the years that we've had the book, and um, it's it's nice to see that uh, uh, Reverend Rick actually understands our goal in that. Right, he had the same heart about it that we had in it. That it was a resource, you know, and it's a reference book, right? So it's not uh, not something you just sit down and read cover to cover in one sitting. Um, but you know, you could read it cover to cover, and I would encourage you to read it to cover to cover. Uh, if you'll do that, you know, it, the whole purpose of the book is to increase your faith in the area of divine health, amen, and that it's God's will for you to be healed every single time without exception. And so I haven't checked with them to see how their sales are going, uh, but um, uh, I did get an email from someone in Denmark saying, hey, can I get a copy of your book? And um, I checked and said, well, yeah, for, for uh, a large sum of money, we can ship it to you, right? And so uh, it, it's, it's hard to get things shipped to Denmark. And actually, it's hard to get things shipped. I've had people from England and Canada and Denmark asking about the book. And um, um, it's really expensive to ship things outside the U.S. because you've got to go through customs. And so everybody wants their cut and those things there. So, so we'll just have to open up worldwide offices all around the globe is what we're going to have to do in order for people to get access to, to the... Uh, um, to, the, to the material there, right? So we can do that, amen. We may not do that today, but um, if that's what the Lord wants us to do, we'll do that, amen. Uh, and so um, praise God. Well, why don't we pray and we'll get into the word tonight then. So Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the precious word that you've given to us, Father, that you watched over, protected for so many years to get into the hands of your people. And so Father, we thank you that our faith is based upon your word and Father, not on our experiences, not on what we think, Father, but what you have specifically said to us in the written form. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you all praise and honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter 3. We'll continue there today. So, you know, the book of Philippians is really a, a letter of thanks that Paul had wrote to this particular church that he had been a part of and with them for many years. Uh, and so, uh, there's really not much correction in this book at all compared to like the Galatians, you know, uh, I hope the Galatians made it, but uh, <laughs> the Philippians, you know, they, they seemed like they were doing pretty good. Uh, and so we'd gotten down to uh, verse eight where Paul said, yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Uh, and so Paul is comparing the things that he had obtained in his life, in his career, in his resume uh, prior to accepting the Lord Jesus. Uh, and he said he would take all of those things uh, of, to be of no value compared to knowing the Lord. Uh, and knowing the Lord is different than knowing about the Lord, right? A lot of people can know about the Lord, uh, but uh, you've got to have uh, your spirit involved and, and the revelation of who the Lord Jesus is in order to know him. And of course, that revelation comes through the Word, but by the Spirit. Amen. And so as you read the Word of God, the Spirit of God will grant to you revelation about who the Lord Jesus is. That's why the world cannot pick up a Bible and know the Lord Jesus like you know the Lord Jesus. They can know facts about Him, that He was a Nazareth, that he, His father was a, was a carpenter, His natural father was a carpenter, that He uh, lived in a, you know, uh, for the most part in Capernaum uh, throughout His career, uh, throughout His ministry. You know, you can read a lot of facts about Jesus, but you don't know who he is outside the revelation of the Spirit of God. And that's what's the value of, um, of being a Christian is because we have uh, an active member of the Godhead living on the inside of us that distinguishes Christianity from every other religion. Uh, and, and so uh, it, it's really an area of, of leaning upon and depending upon the Spirit of God. It's an area that much of the church really doesn't know a lot about. You know, a lot of times it's, well, I have an, un, uh, you know, not even unction because that's a biblical word, but, you know, I have a feeling or a sense or, you know, a, a gut feeling. They don't really develop that relationship with the Holy Spirit like they should. Amen. We should depend upon the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, you know, as even when I'm studying, I'm always talking to the Lord. Lord, I, I need to know what this means. I, I'm going to depend on you. I, don't, I never approach the Word of God at, from an intellectual standpoint. You know, I'm going to, uh, do a sentence structure on this, find out the na nouns and verbs and proverbs or proverbs, but uh, pronouns, all those things. Uh, I I'm going to approach the Word of God. But Spirit of God, what do you want to teach me from this verse today? Uh, and so, and a lot of what the Spirit of God will teach you is 
who the Lord Jesus is. Uh, and, you know, the more that you know the Lord Jesus, the, the, uh, uh, the easier it is for you to communicate with him and easier for you to have your, your relationship with him. Uh, and so, uh, so Paul said, the value of the things that I had prior to being born again are of no value, right? He said, that I count them loss uh, compared to in exchange for the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he, of course, he said, whom I have suffered all, uh, all things, uh, suffered the loss of all things. Well, what did he suffer the loss of? Well, he suffered the loss of his reputation, right? He suffered the loss of his position, uh, a bit of his uh, place in, uh, in the circles, in the upper circles of the uh, leadership of the nation of Israel. Uh, a, lot, a lot of friends, people that he probably grew up with, a lot of other Pharisees that he were probably friends with. He lost all of those things, right? Uh, and he says he counts the things that he's lost as dumb, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty serious, right? I mean, we wouldn't typically use that word in polite company, right? But that's, that's the way Paul sees it, right? Uh, and he says, For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them uh, but dung, that I may win Christ. So, you know, his, his goal is to, uh, the word win means to gain, right, or obtain uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, the word Christ there is the, is the anointed one. So he wants the anointed one. He wants to gain and, and obtain the Lord Jesus in his life. And, of course, he's not talking about being born again. He's just talking about, I want to know him in an experiential way uh, that uh, uh, will only come about by getting rid of any, anything in my life that's a, a hindrance. Amen. And you, and you have to, if you really want to know the Lord, you have to be willing to, to say, Lord, everything I have, everything I believe, everything I think, is on the chopping block for you. If you want me to get rid of it and change what I think or change what I do, then that's fine. And if you have that attitude and count everything that you have, everything that you know, everything you've experienced as of, of no value uh, compared to knowing the Lord, then you're in a good position. Amen. Uh, and Paul did that because his goal was to win or to gain the anointed one. Uh, and for us, you know, that needs to be our goal, right? What is your goal to win and gain and obtain the Lord Jesus in your life, not to be born again, of course, but to gain the knowledge of him, the experiential knowledge of him, that you really know him. Uh, and so, you know, people that, that uh, you know, I know people that uh, if someone came up to me and said, well, you know, so-and-so uh, did this, you know, I'm like, no, I know, there's no way they would have done that. Right? There's, there's no way. Uh, in, in fact, uh, years ago, uh, you know, now I don't, I, I didn't personally know Brother Hagen. I knew, I, you know, I I think I shook his hand once or twice, which I'm sure made a major impact on his life. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, I didn't know him, right? Now, people like Brother Randy didn't know him, but folks that I know knew him very closely, right? Um, but, you know, I have li listened to so many messages and read so many, of his, so many of his books. You know, you can't hide it forever. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if there's, if there's things there, attitudes or whatever that you've got or weird thoughts, you know, that's going to come out. Nobody can hide those things forever. Jesus, in fact, said, you know, things which are hidden will be, will be revealed at some point in time. And, and so, uh, it, you know, there's a, there's a lot of ministers, you know, who try to hold things back. In fact, uh, there was uh, one minister that, uh, we'll get back to uh, Brother Hagen in just a minute, but there's one minister that actually went and preached for Brother Hagen. And, um, faith preacher, healing preacher, you know, Pentecostal preacher. And um, uh, at, 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 when he got done, when he got done preaching, now he was preaching for Brother Hagen at the school. So when he got done preaching, he said, okay, whoever wants more faith, come up here and I'm going to lay hands on you. Well, you know, I mean, that sounds good, except, you know, he's in, he's in Ramah, right? And they, they were drilled from, you know, from day one, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Doesn't come by the laying out of hands, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, there's no other way the Bible says faith comes other than through the word of God. I can lay hands on you all day long, not going to help your faith, right? Now, now, it may help other areas of your life, no, pro no doubt, right? I mean, there's even the, the Lord Jesus laid his hands on the children to bless them, right? Sometimes just a blessing, right? That's biblical. But it's not biblical to lay hands on people for them to obtain more faith. In fact, every time the disciples ask for more faith, what did Jesus tell them? You got plenty of faith. What's wrong with you, right? And that's that's the the uh, uh, CRB version of it, right? Uh, but um, uh, so you can't you can't. So what happened when he did that? Well, nobody moved. I mean, you know, they're all like, well, we can't do that, you know. Uh, and so so then he gets mad. Oh, you people, you think you know anything about faith. You don't know nothing about faith, you know. 
And so the real him came out. Is it the, it was the point of that? You know, he's preaching on faith, right? And, and then he gets mad because people don't respond uh, in, in that way, right? Uh, and so uh, now, look, if they were just to, you know, if pray for whatever, you know, and they just were uh, duds and didn't want to go up there, you know, that's fine, right? Uh, and that happens, right? Sometimes people, you know, the Lord has has you call out something and have people come down, and then nobody moves. Uh, and, you know, that, that's, that's not necessarily on the minister. Sometimes it's on the people, I know. But in that case, it was just, you know, uh, well, we can't do that. And so, uh, but uh, I had a fellow call me up one time, and um, I don't think he was a Jewish person. He was, he was a person, I think, who wanted to be a Jew, uh, and, and um, which, you know, technically, you know, you can be proselytized into the Jewish culture if they accept you. Uh, and so he never really said it, but he kind of, you know, some people like to get into the Old Testament. And in fact, remember, we went to church with a, a lady for many years. And um, one day she just gone. She was my pastor, you know, she was just gone. And, and well, where, well, she moved up to the mountain and now she's joined this Jewish group there. And she's, you know, uh, sacrificing animals. And I mean, I guess they do that. I don't know, do they do, they do that anymore? But um, but uh, not eating pork and, uh, you know, whatever you do as a Jewish person. So you just left the Christian church and went to the Jewish. It's like, it seemed like a downgrade, you know. I mean, you're here, you know, seated in heavenly places to Christ Jesus, and now you've got to murder a mammal to just be good with God, right? Up here, you, it, you know, up with Jesus, now you're down here, you know, murdering your goats. And so, um, but, you know, that's my opinion. So, so anyway, so the fellow was just talking about different things and, and uh I had said something about Brother Hagen uh, in the conversation. He'd said something uh, in regards to that. And, and he said, well, oh, Kenneth Hagen, he was, yeah, he's, he says a lot of things uh, that they're that anti-Semitic, right, things that are against the Jews. And normally I don't care. I mean, I, but, you know, I said, hang on. I said, I have listened to hundreds, probably thousands of hours of message from Brother Hagen. He has never said anything that any human being would construe as this is a statement against the Jewish people or the nation. Uh, and, and so he said, oh, no, no, no. Uh, I meant his son. Well, okay, I can't make that same statement because I haven't listened to as many hours uh, of his son preaching as I have Brother Hagin, so I just kind of had to let it go because I couldn't say, well, I know him. But I feel confident enough that I know Brother Hagin that you know, not that I'm a, a Brother Hagen apologist. I don't, you don't like him. I don't care. You know, I mean, there's nothing to me. But, uh, but sometimes it's helpful to, to, um, to confront people's statements about things that don't make any sense, right? Uh, and so uh, because I knew Brother Hagen, I could say that. So we want to know the Lord Jesus. We, we consider that valuable, right? Do you consider it valuable to know, uh, to know the Lord Jesus? Uh, well, it should be valuable, right? It, we should count it as something to be obtained. And, and in fact, Paul goes on to talk some more about this in the following verses. Uh, and so he says that he counts all things but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is, in, which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And so, uh, again, all of these things that he's saying, he's not trying to say that I'm trying to obtain salvation. Right? He's already saved. Paul is saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. And so when you're seeing these things, it's really how close to the Lord Jesus can you get right uh, and so you know a lot of christians they're right on the fringe on the edge of christianity or they have one foot in christianity one foot in the world and jesus is in their life but he's like way over there right and and, and he's not really a major part of their life he's not an active part of their life he, you know if they died they would go to heaven and we're thankful for that but as far as day-to-day -day adjusting your life and a day-to-day uh, instructing you how to walk and talk and and live live your life on the earth a lot of Christians, they, the Lord Jesus doesn't have an active part in their life, amen? Even though we call him Lord, and which means chief in charge, you know, master of your life. But, you know, of course, Jesus said, many of you will say, Lord, Lord, and, and I never knew you. Uh, and there will be a lot of people who, who will, you know, they will, they will go to a church and visit a church and even become part of a church and do church things, but never accept the Lord Jesus, even, even to the point of being saved, right? A lot of people in a church uh, will live their whole life in church and never, never get saved and, and assume because they've done some good things, they get to go to heaven and, and they'll say, Lord, Lord, and you know, I, don't, I don't know, who are you? And of course, that'll be a real shock. Uh, 
you know, the, the Bible says that, that his spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are the sons of God. So it's not like you can't know. Well, how do you know if you're a Christian or not? You know. Your heart will tell you that you're a Christian. Amen? Not, not your good works, not your attendance of church, your heart, your spirit man will tell you that you're a Christian, which again is the value of being a Christian as opposed to other religions. That, that, that option is not there, right? Uh, and so, uh, so he wants to be found in him. Well, of course, he was found in him originally when he was born again. Amen. But he wants to be right in the middle of Jesus, right? He wants to be found inside of Jesus, right? That, that, that his, when he looks around his life in every direction, all he sees is Jesus. And, and that should be our goal. And, you know, and some people kind of think of that as being somewhat fanatical. Or, you know, you take this religion stuff too far. And, you know, it's not really a religion, obviously. We, we know those things. But, but uh, a lot of people want to have their cake and kind of eat it too, right? They want to, they want to live as the world but have, uh, have their eternal destiny secure in heaven. Uh, and, and can people live that way? Well, number one, I'm nobody's judge. You know, there are a lot of carnal Christians, in fact. Uh, didn't he tell uh, the Corinthians that you are carnal and walk as mere unchanged men? He told the Corinthians, the church, right? The actual church, those who are born again on their way to heaven, that they were carnal and walked as mere unchanged men. So could you be carnal and natural and, and not care about spiritual things and still go to heaven? Well, I mean, according to, unless the whole church at Corinth was uh, not Christians, which I, I think is an unreasonable assumption, I think it's possible. Well, is that a career goal that we should have? Well, clearly not, because what do you lose out? Well, he said, if you're carnal, you walk as mere unchanged men and you don't have access to all the blessings of heaven. So you miss you miss the active uh, participation of the Lord in your life. You miss the active participation of him in your physical body for healing, in your, in your mind for, for having a sound, disciplined mind, uh, in your spirit to obtain revelation, you, in your natural life for prosperity. I mean, just you miss out on all the blessings on the earth that's available to us, amen? And so what's available to us? Well, everything. He said he gave us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And so... Uh, if he's given us all things that pertain to the life of Godless, then we have access to everything that we have need of in our natural lives in every aspect, right? Uh, and so uh, if, we, if, we want, if we want that, then we need to be found in him. Then when we look this way, we see Jesus. When we look this way, we see Jesus. When we look this way, we see Jesus. And that's to our advantage, amen? Uh, and, you know, when I got saved, this was not a hard thing for me to desire. I wanted this. I had been looking for this for years. Yeah, and wanted to get saved and wanted to be in, in the church of the Lord Jesus and wanted to know, to know him. I didn't know anything about the word of God, but I knew that I wanted to know the Lord. And it's never been hard for me to, to maintain that. And yet a lot of Christians, it's just really hard for them to be in, just being a Christian, being a Christian. Just every day being a Christian, acting like a Christian, desiring to be a Christian, you know, doing the things that Christians should do, like go to church and pray and read your Bible just things like that. A lot of Christians just struggle with that because they're, they've never found a place in their heart that they want to be found in Him. Amen? Uh, and, and so that carnal desire to pull them out of the, out of, uh, the Lord Jesus uh, is there and they allow it to be there. So it's not like it's, it's, it's an outside force that's driving them to be away from the Lord. It's just the in, their internal desire. What do they want more than anything else, right? Do they have the same uh, thoughts of Paul that I count everything as lost? Nothing is of any value except for knowing the Lord Jesus. And, and, that's not, and that should not be reserved for the ministry. Amen? It shouldn't be reserved just for those that are called to the pulpit ministry. It should be all who profess the Lord Jesus, who should have the desire. Amen? We should all be, in one sense, you know, rabid Christians, right? I don't mean just running down the, uh, down the street with our hands flailing, you know, and, and Jesus is coming soon. But just, I want to know Him every day. Amen? And that doesn't mean that you can't do anything. It doesn't mean you have to just shave your head and wear a robe and, and become a monk or anything. Uh, it, it's just, that should be your, just, just like with my wife. I mean, my wife and I, we've been married for 33 years. And uh, I think we have a very good relationship. And, and I expect it to get better. Uh, and we enjoy spending time. We're, to, we're together, you know, all the time. But we still have our own individual lives in the sense that uh, she has things that she likes to do. I have things that I like to do. And, you know, every now and then I'll be on the computer. She says, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm, I'm writing a regular expression to filter out some, you know, HTML code, from, you know. And she'd be like, 
sorry I asked, you know. <laughs> and, and so uh, and that's fine, right? Because she's never going to do that. Uh, and, and so, you know, we are individuals, and yet uh, the desire for us to be together has always been there and will always be there. Uh, and so it's not that you don't have uh, any wants or desires or ambitions in your life. Those are all normal things that the Lord has placed in our hearts as human beings that, to strive to be better, strive to do better, strive to increase our, our lives and uh, the, uh, better our lives in every area of our, of our life. Uh, and so <clears throat> it seems like it's so hard for the church to stay in balance, amen? Uh, you can want to know the Lord more than anything, and yet Paul was a tent maker. Paul traveled and did different things, right? And uh, now we don't have any stories of Paul, you know, going on a hike or having a picnic or, but uh, that doesn't mean he didn't do any of those things. It just wasn't uh, important to record those things for all eternity, amen, because they're just natural things. And so he did take, cruises. He did take a lot of cruises, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, uh, he did spend a lot of time in the water, right? <laughs> and so, um, uh, and um, did go visit Malta. And, and so, yeah, I mean, so uh, my, I, I, su- I, I suspect that Paul did enjoy himself and, and, and uh, because what I have found, uh, the more that you know the Lord, just me personally, the more fascinated I am with his creation. He created this earth, right? And so it's, it's amazing to see, uh, I, I read stories of Smith Wilgersworth where he, when he would travel, he would, uh, uh, if he wasn't preaching, let's go up on that mountain. I want to climb that mountain right there. And he, he would go and just, and they said he'd weep at the, at the joy of seeing the creation of the Lord. And, and of course, Smith was, was very close with the Lord, right? And so, um, you know, I, I think those are fine, and, and I think that's a balanced, healthy way to be. A lot of Christians act like, well, we can't do anything in the natural realm. Well, why did God put us in this natural realm? Why did God create the natural realm if he didn't want us to enjoy the natural realm? If, if he didn't want us to participate in the natural realm, he could have just not created it. Uh, and, and that's why I, had, I have a hard time when people who say that God only wants to bless us spiritually. Well, why did he put us in this natural realm? If he didn't want to bless us in the spirit, in the natural realm, why did he put us in this realm? Did he create this realm? He created a realm. He could have not created a realm and just left us in the spirit. Amen. Uh, and just, he says he's the father of spirit, so he could have created us in the spirit realm uh, without having natural bodies and just, you know, turned us uh, uh, make us come alive in the spirit realm, separate from any, any natural realm. He could have done that, uh, and yet he chose not to do that. He chose to do it the way that he did it. And so if he chose to do it the way he did it, why is that such a hard thing? Why, why do people have to be so spiritual uh, and, and act like, you know, there's nothing in the world that, that's of joy? It, it, I think that's an odd thing to say. The Lord created the world, amen? I know it's fallen and, and it's under uh, the weight of sin, uh, but still there's plenty of it to, to enjoy, Amen. And so he said, to be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. Now, if you remember earlier in, uh, in, in the chapter there, he said, as far as touching righteousness, which is of the law, he was blameless. But now he's saying, look, I don't want to have uh, 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 mine own righteousness, which is of the law. He said, I did have that before. As far as touching the law, uh, I was blameless. But now... Uh, I don't want anything to do with that. And, and that's a real hard thing for some Christians to do, especially the more uh, full of zeal you are, oftentimes uh, that zeal kind of bleeds over into self-righteousness. And, you know, I'm more righteous than you because I don't do that thing. Amen. And there's a lot of uh, Christians that I get around and, and, and I won't tell them anything I do because it doesn't matter what I do. Oh, I wouldn't do that, you know. You know, I, I mowed my yard. Oh, uh, and, and did you wear a suit? No, I didn't wear a suit. I wore shorts. Oh, I would never wear shorts. You know, I know when I was when I was in high school, I had been saved long, and uh, I worked at the local Dairy Queen, and and um, uh, all the regular people got paid three dollars an hour. I got paid three dollars and ten cents an hour because I was the janitor, so I got ten cents an hour more because I had to clean the nasty bathrooms. Uh, and so, and in case you're wondering. All you women, you're all nasty. Your bathrooms are always it look like I mean, like like, like somebody lost a fight in there every every day. Every day, it was like, what happened? How could this happen every day? Right? You go in a men's room, it's like, okay, well, yeah, that's fine. The women's room is just a disaster every day. I don't know why. You know, maybe it's just a Dairy Queen, right? Maybe it's Dairy Queen women. I don't know, but uh, you know, that uh, it's a small data point there. But uh, uh, and so, 
but anyway, uh, there was a lady that worked there. We called her uh, oh, Aunt B. You remember Aunt B from, from uh, 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 Andy Griffith, right? So she was kind of short and round like Aunt B was uh, and, and real feisty, and she was a really great lady. And so I came in one day off when I wasn't working to pick up my check, and I happened to be wearing shorts that day. And I said, oh, you know, don't get around Aunt, Aunt B. She, she doesn't like shorts, you know. So I, what, I don't even know what, what Christian organization she was part of. I can make some, some guesses, but, you know, I don't really know. Don't really, it doesn't really matter. But and I thought, what's... And, and see, that never, I never thought about that. I never, because, you know, I hadn't been saved that long, and, and, and I wasn't steeped in the religion of the church yet, uh, because I, ha, I have read the entire Bible through uh, a few times, you know, the New Testament many times, and I still haven't found anywhere that says don't wear shorts. And so, uh, now, you could wear shorts that were inappropriate. Well, sure, but these were not inappropriate, at least in the 80s. You know, nowadays, I don't think they would be very appropriate. <laughs> you know, in the 80s, we all remember the tennis shorts, right? Well, tennis. I can't imagine, you know, wearing tennis shorts today. You know, but uh, anyway, you know, we just don't even go there. Amen. Uh, and so, but I was wearing tennis shorts and, and so, which was fine back then to wear those. And so, I said, don't, don't, let, her, don't let her see that, you know. And, and, and I, I, I thought, you know, I, haven't, I hadn't been around that yet. I hadn't been around religion, really. All I knew was I was saved and I loved the Lord and it was good. And I didn't know much else besides that. And so, so sure enough, she was there and she goes, what are you doing wearing? You can't wear shorts. That's, you know, the, the, you know, you're not allowed to wear, you're not supposed to wear shorts. You know, that's not right for the Lord or whatever, whatever. And I just, I said, well, and I looked at her, just, I said, and I was respectful about it. I said, but what's the difference between shorts and short sleeve shirts? I mean, I mean, you're showing my legs or I'm showing my arms. What's, is there a difference? I, mean, I don't know. Is there a difference? Is, you know, maybe some, well, yeah, there's the difference. Well, what's the difference? And I don't, I'm not interested in arguing about it, but uh, I mean, if you really, I, I I would never do that, you know, and so, uh, and so, I, yeah, look, I still, you know, if you don't want to wear shorts, I don't care. Don't wear shorts. It's okay. Amen. But if there's no Bible about not wearing shorts, then you live your own life in that area, but leave everybody else alone. Amen. Uh, and, and I got no problem if you don't want to wear them, but, uh, and look, I was respectful. I wasn't rude about it, and but I didn't quit wearing shorts because of it either. Uh, and, and so, because it was just really odd, you know, she didn't, she didn't say why, she just, you're not supposed to. And, and how many things in a church, uh, you know, and, 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 and I have found that this, is, this mentality has gotten me in trouble a lot of times because I always ask questions. And I'm like, well, why can't you wear shorts? You know, is that a valid question? <gasps> well, how dare you ask a question? Uh, we should always question our faith. Always question. Not in the sense of, you know, I know this in the Bible, but did God really mean that? That's not, we, that's not the kind of question we do. But when we do something, is that biblical? Is there a reason why we should or shouldn't do that? That's healthy for us to do that, amen? Because it challenges us and keeps us out of being uh, religious Pharisees, amen? Because remember, the Pharisees said, uh, uh, he, they, they fussed at Jesus, why do your disciples uh, transgress the traditions of our elders by not washing their hands before they eat? Now, is there any book, chapter, and verse that you, can't, you have to wash your hands before you eat? Not that I know of, you know, uh, and so... Because uh, that was a tradition, amen. It wasn't, it wasn't a law, it was a tradition of the elders. Uh, and, and so, uh, but if it's a tradition of the elders, how far back had that gone? Probably hundreds of years. And they've been doing it. You've got to, if you don't wash, you're, un, you're unclean. Well, it's not, when Jesus said, well, you know, really, that's not true. Because what makes you unclean, spiritually speaking, is what comes out of your heart, right? Not, not what you put into your body. Uh, and so, is it, is it a good idea to wash your hands? Well, I mean, generally speaking, it's not a bad idea to wash your hands, right? And, and so, uh, have you ever not washed your hands before you ate? Probably, you know, oh, I can't believe that. Well, you know, they didn't do it with Jesus, and they seemed to get along okay with it back then. Uh, but so, so many times we build up ideas of things, and nobody's, nobody's questioning it. Nobody is, is confronting and say, where'd you get that from? Is that real? What's, what's the spiritual value of that in my life? How is that going to help me get to know the Lord more? And yet, how many things have we done that? Amen. How many things have we added to? Uh, and really, that's, that's what Paul said, my own righteousness. Because remember, he said that as far as righteousness from the law was, he was blameless. He said, but that's my righteousness. He said, the righteousness I have with the Lord is he doesn't want to have his own righteousness he wants to have the righteousness which comes through faith. Uh, and, of course, uh, you know, the, the whole concept of righteousness 
was really, it was really not until the charismatic movement uh, that the church understood righteousness. You know, we didn't understand it under the Pentecostal movement because it was, it was all about works and doing things and, you know, not wearing makeup, not wearing jewelry or not wearing pants or not cutting your hair. You know, that was all self-righteousness. That was all, right, that's my righteousness, right? What I have done. And then once we under started understanding the word, and of course, we know uh, that the word, uh, that word righteousness really means you're standing with the Lord, that you are, that you are in right standing with the Lord. And so your standing or position with the Lord comes about not because of what you've done and what you've earned, but because of what you believed. Uh, and, and so, of course, we know, you know, the, the New Testament says that, uh, that uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for, we, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So our righteousness it says, in him, right? 2 Corinthians 5.21, our righteousness is in him, not in me. If it's in me, then I've got to not wear shorts, not wear makeup, not wear jewelry or whatever. Uh, but if it's in him, I have to believe him. End of discussion. If I believe him, then I'm in right standing with him. Uh, and, and nothing else matters. Nothing else can make me more righteous. Amen. If I, if I stop doing all of those things, if I stop wearing shorts, I stop wearing makeup, I stop wearing jewelry, and, and stop cutting my hair, and all, if I do all of those things, I'm not any more righteous. And yet the church was sold a bill of goods for, for, for decades, right? How many decades did the church go through about women can't wear pants, and, you know, and, you know and, uh, decades? And, and, and I know people that grew up in that, especially the girls, they would be beaten by their parents if they were caught wearing pants, right? And I've heard stories of that. People in here that know those stories, amen? Beaten by their parents for women, for women wearing pants. And yet, you know, technically speaking, women were the ones who invented pants, amen? They were the ones who were out in the fields and collecting crops, and they would, you know, basically sewed up their skirts to make it easier to move around and, and doing the... And so they were the first, actually the first uh, skirts, you know, the first uh, pants. And many of the men wore what we consider skirts or, you know, uh, tunics and things like that, which basically skirts and dresses, right? Now, not like men wear dresses today. Now it's, uh, the whole world has gone crazy and bonkers, right, where men are wearing women dresses. I'm not talking about wearing effeminate clothes, right? Oh, he said it's okay. To, no, I'm not saying, just, no, I'm not saying any of those things. Uh, nowadays, everything's so confusing. But, uh, but the, the, uh, you know, the Bible does talk about some of those things, but it's always in, the, in regards to what's your goal. If your goal is to look like the opposite sex, that's a problem, amen? Uh, and so, you know, uh, uh, women can wear pants and they don't look like the opposite sex. But they could find pants that would make them look more like a man if they wanted to. And men could wear pants that would make them more look like a woman, right? Uh, in fact, every now and you get a shirt, it's like, does this make me look more like a woman? You know, I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, sometimes you have to decide how manly you are to wear this particular shirt, and uh, depending how pink it is or whatever, you know. And I do own a pink shirt, and uh, I think it's a really nice shirt, but... But it doesn't make me look like a woman, amen? Uh, and, and that's really the, the, the problem is uh, when we start getting our minds perverted. Well, if I wear this, I look more like the opposite sex. And that's what you find in the Word of God is, is that's always the issue. What's your, what's your problem, right? And so, and I think that the forefathers who came up with the idea that women shouldn't wear pants is because they, they were concerned that women were trying to look like men. And it, women weren't trying to look like men. They just... Didn't want to have to wear skirts all the time, especially if it's 30 below zero outside. You know, they don't want to wear skirts or dresses, right? And so. Didn't that, didn't that start with the Old Testament where it said that, that a woman should not wear that which pertains to a man? Yeah. And they, so, right. And, and, and so, but what does that mean, right? And so what, what the Pentecostal church, and really a lot of the church, but, but uh, I think the Pentecostal church doubled up on it, was... Uh, well, we don't want to make any distinction, so just no, right? So this whole thing over here, just no. But, I mean, men wear shirts, women wear shirts, right? But we always call it women's shirts blouses. And so, but we can always tell when a woman wears a shirt that makes, intentionally makes them look like a man. So, you know, the problem is we all know what it looks like when it looks that way, uh, but we don't want to live that way. We just want to make a law that says, okay, we, we, want, we don't want to have to discern anything, so we're just going to take, throw the whole thing out with, the, with everything, right? And that's always a problem is, is we make it so constrictive that people uh, of sane mind will go, but that doesn't make me look like a man. And I have no desire to look like a man. So why can't I wear that? Well, you just can't. Well, but why? 
Because the Bible says don't do that. Well, the Bible doesn't say, the Bible says don't wear, like I said, don't wear those things which pertain to a man. Okay, if you're trying to look like a man, act like a man, well, then that's a problem. Uh, and, and the same thing in today's world, a lot of men are cross-dressers. They'll wear women's clothes, and, and they're, they're weird, right? That's just weird. Uh, but, and the goal is to look intentionally like a woman. The goal is to be perverted and to look like the opposite sex. Well, that's when it gets into perversion, that's a problem. Uh, and so, you know, uh, what, where's the line? Well, the line's where the line is. Well, we all know where, it's it, where it is, and so it's no need for us to make a list of, well, all the Levi things like this right here are okay, but all the Levi things over here are bad. You know, we're not going to make, there's no list, amen? It's, it's going to be in your own heart uh, where those things come from. And so, so uh, our righteousness needs to be in him, right? That's what Paul said, that he wants his righteousness to be uh, not having my own righteousness. And so that, that really has to be a goal in our life is that we have to review our, my own life. And Lord, where do I feel like I'm better, uh, that, that I've earned more favor with you because of the things that I'm doing? If I have any of that mindset in me, that has to go. If I think, well, Lord, I've done all these good things. Now you owe me. See, that's my own righteousness. That's me saying I've earned this righteous, right, this standing with you because of the things that I've done or things that I've said or money that I've given or thing, things that I've accomplished that I've now earned something special with you because of that. Uh, and uh, we have to attack that mentality all the time. We have to resist that mentality all the time, that I am righteous if I sit in that chair and never do anything. Righteous if I sit in that chair and never do anything. Uh, now, if you are righteous, things that he wants you to do, knowing that, that it doesn't impact uh, your standing with him, amen? And really, you're already at 100%. All you can do is make it worse. And so if we sin, then, then we need to be cleansed from that unrighteousness, right? So uh, we are not unrighteous, but that unrighteousness has gotten upon us. And so we need to be cleansed from that, from that unrighteousness. Uh, and so uh, can, can we do that, right? Can we review our own lives and look for areas where we feel like uh, these things that I've done grants me more favor with the Lord than if I hadn't done them? And if that's anywhere in life, we need to get rid of that mentality. We don't have to get rid of the things we're doing. We just have to get rid of the mentality of, Lord, now you owe me. Amen. Uh, and a lot of times uh, we struggle with that, so we may fix it by just not doing anything. Well, that's not necessarily the right thing to do. Amen. You know, the two people can do the exact same thing in a church, and one person can be doing it out of just a desire to love the Lord. Another person can be doing it to try to earn favor with God. Uh, and, and you can't tell from the outside. You can't look at that and go, well, that person right there is self-righteous. Well, number one, I'm not your judge, amen? Uh, and, and unless the Lord tells me otherwise, I just have to leave that alone. So you can't, you, it, it's not a list of tasks, right? It's not a list of things that you've done that would qualify you or not qualify you more to be with the Lord or uh, things that you've done that would say this is self-righteousness versus not self-righteousness. There's no list. Uh, you, have to, you have to have this desire, uh, like Paul said, to be, I want to be found in him not having my own righteousness. And, and you know, for, for me, I know that uh, I've struggled with this. Not, you know, when we say self-righteous, we always think of somebody who looks down upon other people. And that's not always self-righteousness. I mean, that is part of it, right? But self-righteousness is I have obtained favor with the Lord because of my good works. And, and, and nobody else may ever be involved in that mentality. Uh, and so it's not always about, oh, I think I'm better than somebody else. But as far as earning favor with the Lord, you know, that's an area that I know I, early on I had to deal with because I like doing things. I like helping people. I like doing things for people. And, uh, and the Lord even rebuked me about that one time, about, you know, um, that uh, uh, I do things uh, to earn his favor. In fact, uh, uh, we were in... Uh, we were in. Uh, we were practicing one night. Uh, we we were on the praise and worship team with, with my pastor, and uh, at the end of the at the end of practice, we would sometimes gather together and just uh, talk about a few things. And so we were we were. I was sitting on the floor. I don't know why I was sitting on the floor, but uh, we had a lot of chairs there. But um, uh, but you know sometimes we'd sit on the floor and just listen. Uh, but as I was sitting on the floor, the Lord spoke to me. He said, uh, "You don't impress me." And, I, you know, I just, it was kind of out of the blue. You know, I, I wasn't thinking about anything. I wasn't praying. You know, we weren't in meditation or anything. We were just listening to, to the leader of, of the praise worship team. 
And, and so I kind of tabled it till I got, I got some time to talk to the Lord about it. I said, Lord, why'd you say that? That seems, you know, I mean, did I do something to offend you? Uh, you know, uh, not that the Lord's offended, but, but uh, why'd you say that? Uh, and he started showing me that uh, how uh, that I try to do things to earn his favor. And that's why he said, you don't impress me, right? The things that I do don't impress him, right? Because sometimes we do something like, Lord, did you see, did you see what I did? Hey, did you see this right here, Lord? I mean, I'm impressed with that. You should be impressed with it too. You know, I'm so impressed with this thing that I did, whatever this thing was. And, and he showed me that, that so many times that, the, uh, uh, and it, it wasn't like that was the only reason I did those things, but it's kind of like, uh, well, Lord, I did this because it needed to be done. I wanted to do it, but did you happen to notice it? Uh, in addition to what I did, you know, can I get some credit for that? Because, you know, I was going to do it anyway, but could I also get some credit for it? Well, that's self-righteousness, right? That, that's trying to earn your, your way with the Lord. And, um, you know, he had to just jerk that out of my heart. He had to jerk that out of my mind that, that I do the things that I do because I do the things that I do because he, he's instructed me to do them or he's called me to do them or they need to be done, but they don't have any impact on my favor with the Lord. My favor with the Lord is already set at 100%. Nothing I can do to make that any better. Amen. And now you got to believe that you're at 100% already because otherwise you'll be compelled to try to earn more favor with the Lord. Amen. As if you're not. So I want to be found in him not having my own righteousness. Now, did Paul do things? He did lots of things. In fact, he, he said he labors more abundantly than all the other apostles. So Paul was doing a lot of things. We don't know what all necessarily in, that, in the context of that particular quote there was, but he, he did a lot of things. I mean, he, he established uh, the majority of the churches in the first century and uh, established the majority of, of the doctrine of the New Testament just by himself, just little old Paul by himself, you know, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament as far as the epistles go. Uh, and so that's a big accomplishment. And yet uh, he had none of his own righteousness. He didn't feel that he had earned any more favor with the Lord because he had done those things than, uh, uh, than if he had done those things, amen? And so that's a mentality you have to guard in your own self. You know, you get something, you finish doing something for the Lord or for somebody else. And uh, what is your mentality with the Lord? Well, now, Lord, you owe me right now, Lord. Uh, you know, I must have better favor with you because I did these things. Uh, and, and it's, I mean, it's very, very subtle. If you're not careful, it'll, it'll get into your mindset and you, you'll be driven to do things for the Lord, really to earn his favor as opposed to just because you love him. Amen. Uh, and so we don't, we don't want that, right? Because if we obtain our righteousness, which is of the law, uh, then that's self-righteousness and it's of no value. But we want to obtain righteousness through faith. Uh, and, you know, the, having righteousness, you have to be a person of faith in order to believe that. Amen. So much of the church is so, they're, they're so uh, their relationship with the Lord is so fragile. that They, you know, they just don't know if they're going to be in good with the Lord today or not. And so they're always driven to try to do better or do more or whatever. And they're usually very unsuccessful. And oftentimes they try to put you under the same pressure that they're under. And I, and I see that a lot. I can't believe you do that. I can't believe you wear shorts. I don't have any self-righteousness. I just, you know, I wear shorts because I want to wear shorts, you know. And, and I wear, you know, better shorts than I wore when I was in high school, right? And so we're, thank, we're, thank, we're all thankful for that one, right? Uh, and so... But see, I, I'm, not under, I'm not ever compelled to go, go around and, and tell, well, you know, well, your hair's too short. Or, you know, uh, a, lot of, a lot of men don't think women should have short, short her hair, right? I mean, I'm not saying short hair, but uh, shorter hair, because even with women who wear their hair shorter, they always look like women's haircut. If, I mean, if I cut my hair like my wife's hair, I'd look, I'd look like my wife, right? And not that my, that's not really my goal in life. Uh, and so... Uh, so what's the, what's the right length? The, the right length is a length that, that fits you, amen? And, and as long as you, you still desire to look like a woman, then it's not a problem, amen? Well, what's the line? I don't know. There's no, there's no line. It's, it's whatever your heart, what's in your heart. And for, and for me to know that line, I'd have to judge your heart. Or you express with your own words that, hey, my goal is to look like a man. Well, then, okay, that you've already wrong because a lot of men wear their hair long. And so um, <clears throat> my righteousness doesn't need to be in the things that I do. Amen. My righteousness needs to be in my faith. I believe because of what Jesus did that I am in good standing, right standing, correct standing with the Lord Jesus right now at 100%. Nothing I can do to make that better. Uh, and so 
Uh, if we can get to that point, that's a really good, uh, uh, that's a really good point to have, right? Uh, and so uh, let's, let's turn over to Romans chapter 4. You know, Romans chapter 4 is such a good chapter because it covers so many d- uh, good topics about this area, right, about how faith works. And, um, uh, and it's just, a, uh, I would encourage you, spend some time in Romans chapter 4 if you haven't read it recently, but it's just a, it's just a good chapter. And I've got to get over there eventually, right? And so, um, and I remember uh, reading these things here. Um, uh, well, we could we could um, we could start really in verse one, but we're not going to have time to start in verse one. So uh, let's go back up and start in verse. Um, let's just start, start in verse nine. So cometh this blessing that that uh, talking about uh, uh, David, what he had said. Come this blessing then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision only. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. So faith produced righteousness in Abraham. How then was it reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? No, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. So, so when, when Abraham first believed God and it was counted him for righteousness, what was the status of his circumcision? At that point in time, he was not circumcised, right? He believed God first. And then later on, the Lord said, okay, now we've got this covenant established. Go ahead and get circumcised. That's a token or the sign for, uh, the, for your, your uh, covenant relationship with me. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's a, that's a huge thing, right? The circumcision is a huge thing in the Jewish nation, right? And, and remember, um, when Moses w- was uh, um, getting ready to go back to Egypt and... and um, at the situation, and his kids were not circumcised, and his wife got mad and circumcised the kids, and and, and um, because he didn't raise the kids that way, but he was still part of the Jewish nation, part of Abraham, and so uh, if you're not careful, uh, you're going to get yourself in trouble by not doing what the Lord told you to do, uh, and so, uh, but when Abraham uh, received his righteousness, he didn't do anything to earn that, right? He didn't get circumcised, and then he became righteous. He was righteous because he believed God. Uh, and, and it's the same thing for us, too. Uh, see, if we can learn from Abraham's example, you're righteous because you believe God, and then you do things. Amen? So was Abraham supposed to be circumcised? He was. Uh, and so he, and did he, he did become circumcised. And so, but the things that he did followed the, the faith that he had to become righteous. And so, uh, so that was verse 10. And so, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, right? A seal or a token, right? A sign that he had been circumcised. So uh, what's, uh, we know that we are circumcised of the heart today. So what's really the New Testament equivalent of circumcision of the Old Testament? It's really water baptism, right? It's a sign or a token of the covenant that we've uh, made with the Lord Jesus to get saved. And so... Uh, is, uh, was circumcision required to become righteous in the Old Testament? No, then water baptism is not required to be saved in, in the New Testament, amen? They are both a token or a sign or a testimony of the covenant relationship that we have with the Lord. Uh, and so the nice thing about uh, in the New Testament, because it's water baptism, that means both men and women can be involved in that, amen? Uh, it was a lot more difficult for women to be involved in circumcision in the Old Testament amen? For, for, for practical reasons, amen? Uh, and so, so uh, he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe. So Abraham is the father of all those who believe, uh, not all those who uh, are circumcised, right? Uh, and so, uh, because now circumcision is not required for righteousness, but just like the Old Testament, faith was required for righteousness, in the New Testament, faith is also required for righteousness, so that means Abraham is still the father of our faith. Uh, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had yet been uncircumcised. So he just he continues to repeat the this, this same thing from different angles here, that uh, he wants to be the father of all of us, right? Uh, of all of us. Uh, but then he gets down, to, uh, I'm trying to get down to, to, verse, uh, to verse 16 here, here, but he says, 
Verse 13, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed uh, through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void. So, uh, and so what, and that's, that's, verse 14 is really a big, a big verse, right? For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is of no use. So if you become heirs because uh, you kept the law, then there's no need to have faith. I mean, you just do things and you, you become an heir. Uh, and, and faith is of no value, right? And so that's, that's, a, big, that's a big verse there. And that, that really would turn over a lot of Jewish thinking because they got so ingrained in keeping the law that that was how they obtained their righteousness that a verse like verse 14 would be really difficult for a Jewish person to accept uh, and to move out of their, out of their religion. Uh, and the promise then uh, uh, that was made to him that to be the seed uh, uh, to all the world uh, uh, would have been a made of a none effect. And so uh, verse 15 says, because the law worketh wrath, for where there where no law is, there is no transgression. And then he gets down to verse 16, therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law. But, all, but to that also, which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Uh, and, and I remember uh, reading verse 16 many, many years ago, and I finally understood some things, because even up to that point, you know, I remember even saying these words one time, having read some of the Old Testament, I, I made a statement. I was probably 17 years old or so. I said, I love the Old Testament. The Lord tells you all the things you can do, tells you all the things you can't do. I said, why doesn't he just do this same thing? In the New Testament, why didn't you just make us a list of all the things we can and can't do? You know, and that was a sincere, although ignorant, statement to make, right? To, uh, because uh, we love the law. We like, here's all the things to do, and here's all the things not to do. And so that's just do those things, and you're righteous with the Lord. Everything is good. Uh, and yet it throws out all the faith, right? There's no faith involved in that at all. It just, just works. Uh, and then you get down to verse uh, 16. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace. So the Lord wants, wants our relationship with Him to be by grace, right? With that, that we have this favor with the Lord, and this favor comes about just simply by faith in Him. And that, uh, and that favor comes about because of our right standing with the Lord. So our right standing with the Lord uh, is the righteousness that Jesus paid for, but that gives us access to this grace. Uh, and, and it's only by faith. Therefore, it's by faith and not of works, right? And that's, that's what he's trying to say. Therefore, it is a faith, and you can put in parentheses, not of works. So it's a faith so that we can have, so that everybody has access to it. Amen. Because if it's by works, there's always somebody who can work more than you. There's always somebody who can be more diligent than you. There's always somebody who has more time than you have to go uh, read all the do's and don'ts and do those better than you can. You've got to, you know, uh, in the New Testament, all the disciples are fishermen. They don't have time for all this stuff, right? making sure their robes are all clean, making sure the, the flactories are all lined up, make sure they got, you know, all the... I mean, they didn't have time for all that. They had to go, they had to go clean fish and go in a boat. And, uh, and, and so that's for the people in the, in the pretty houses and the pretty towers and the pretty buildings that don't do anything except for do those things. And so, so Paul is saying, therefore it's a faith not of works that it may by, might be by grace. Uh, and, and, and so... So that, and so Paul was saying, you know, back to Philippians 3, 9, and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, uh, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Uh, and, and that verse uh, would define a person's faith if they'll live this verse. Uh, they'll, they'll be a person of, if you can live verse 9, you'll be a person of faith. If you're always into works, always doing, doing things to earn favor, you're just not a person of faith. Uh, and, you know, you might have exhibited faith when you got saved, but you, but you kind of backslid in the area of faith and went back to works. Uh, and if you can live in verse 9 and always judge your own self, Lord, is there anywhere in my life where I have my own righteousness? And where nobody may ever notice it except for you and the Lord. Amen. And those are things, those are important things to get out of your life where it's things only you and the Lord know. Because, you know, if other people know it, well, you know, uh, they, other people could tell you, but a lot of times we're really good at hiding things, right? And, and, and a lot of times it's old mentality, old thoughts. You know, uh, uh, I think I told you about one time when Brother Hakeem was praying, the Lord showed him 
an old shoe that was in his heart, it's old, like an old beat-up shoe. And Brother Hagin said, what, you know, what is that, Lord? He keeps showing that's me old shoe in my heart. What is this old shoe? What's that supposed to mean? He said, that's, that's a lot of the old denominational thoughts that you had that aren't biblical that you need to get out of your heart. You know, a lot of old thinking, old school thinking. That's just like an old shoe. You know, you ever seen an old shoe? We was working on a house one day in, in this old house from the 30s. And so we opened up one of the walls and an old shoe fell out of the wall. Old crusty and you know, all curled up, you know, leathered and been weathered for for hundred years, uh, and ninety years or so, and, and it was nobody could wear it, right? There's no shoelaces, it's all cracked, and it was no. And well, that's sometimes we hang onto those things in our heart, don't we? Amen. And so, Paul is going, is not going to have his own righteousness. Amen. And, and uh, to me, this whole concept of of righteousness, of faith, you know, I think we know the foundations of that. But it's an area that we need to be active in reviewing our own hearts about because it will be a hindrance to you. Because remember what Paul said, therefore it's a faith that it might be by grace. The more self-righteous you have, the lower faith that you'll live in and the lower grace you'll live in and the higher legalism that you'll live in. Amen. And you'll be pointing out somebody's shorts and somebody's hair, somebody's shirt, somebody's pants. I mean, you just, it'll be exhausting, right? And so, like I said, we, uh, I have met many Christians over the years and, hey, did you watch the ball game? I don't watch TV, you know. Okay, fine, you know. I just didn't mean to strike a nerve there, you know. And they said, we only watch DVDs. Well, isn't that displayed on a TV? I mean, it's, yeah. and it's like, it's just slow TV, right? Could you, you could literally buy a football game on a DVD, I'm sure, and watch it, you know, uh, uh, a game on a DVD, I'm sure, and watch it, you know, uh, uh, a week later, a year later. What's the, it's no difference, right? I don't watch live TV. Oh, okay. The Lord's, is the Lord against live TV? I don't know, you know. But, uh, and I don't care. I mean, you don't watch the game, you know, and I don't, uh, you know, for me, it's just it's such a small thing because I'm not a big sports fanatic. Some people are. They, they can tell you who in the World Series from 1984. Was there a World Series in 1984? I guess there was, you know, I don't know. Uh, but um, uh, if you like sports, I don't care. It's fine. Amen. None of my business. It, it just, uh, uh, but don't, don't be so self-righteous that I, can't, I can tell you something that it's clearly not sin watching a football game. There's no sin involved in that. Uh, but, but your self-righteousness doesn't allow me to have a conversation about that. Amen. And you could have just said no. You know what I'm saying? You could have said no, I didn't see it. Uh, in, in, instead of expressing your self-righteousness, right? So not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. What the do's and don'ts. Amen. And so be careful. Uh, judge it if you help. Again, the more self-righteousness in, the less faith that you're going to live in. Amen. The more self-righteous you're in, uh, the less grace you're going to walk in. Uh, and, and the further down of the favor with God, because grace is the favor of God, right? And so the further, and, but that's not from God's side, that's on your side. You've diminished your relationship with the Lord by your own good works. Amen. And again, nobody may ever see him except for you and the Lord. And if you're willing to get, get those things out of your life, he'll show them to you. Amen because he wants to have full access to your life in every area of your life, amen? And, and he can do that if we'll let him. So let's pray and thank the Lord uh, for his word today. So Father, we thank you that we are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus, Father, not of our works, but of your works, what you've done, what you've paid for, Father. And so we have right and good standing with you because of the work of the Lord Jesus and the blood that he shed. So Father, we have faith in that. We believe that our, our standing with you was bought and paid for by the cross of the Lord Jesus and what he did for our benefit. Father, it's not by the things we do, not by the things we earn, Father. We, we can't earn any more righteous than, righteousness than what we have right this very minute by faith. And so, Father, we thank you for that. Uh, and Lord, we ask you in our own lives to show us any area, Father, where we have righteousness, where we have our own righteousness, where we, where we have done things, Father, with the, with the thoughts and the attitude that, that, Father, if I do these things, I will earn more favor from you. And, Lord, there may be things that nobody in the world would know except for us. But you know all things, Father. And so we ask you to show us those things, Father, because every step out of, out of your righteousness, Father, is a step into self-righteousness and a step further from faith. And so, Lord, we thank you for these things. We give you all the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good all the time. We appreciate His goodness and kindness. Amen. Uh, and so, 
Uh, well, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. And uh, don't forget, um, Sunday we will have um, two things, right? So Sunday we're going to have uh, first our, uh, of course, the morning service, and then we're going to have our business meeting immediately after uh, the service ends. Uh, just go over the, the yearly finances. Come ahead, Mr. Dear, and receive the offering. And then um, after the business meeting, then we'll have, we'll have lunch. Um, uh, and of course, uh, this Friday we've got prayer, right? 7 p.m. here at the church. Uh, and so I got all those backwards, right? But it's February, amen. It, it, uh, it's moving right along, amen. Oh, and, and so in a couple of weeks, let's see, uh, two weeks. Yeah, I guess it's two, week, two weeks from Sunday, we will have uh, Pastor Edwin Anderson will be here with us speaking. Uh, for the Sunday morning in, in, uh, in service and for healing school. And um, you're really going to enjoy him. Yeah, he's just one of these guys you really like, you know. And so you'll, you'll uh, he's the author of the book that we have back there on, a, on the book table uh, about uh, building a strong local church. And uh, it's a pretty thick book there. And, and I told somebody, I said, uh, if you want to know what I think about the church and what my, my heart is about as far as building a local church, you know, read that book because it it's tells you everything that, that I think. If that's a long book, can you just not tell me? Just tell me what you mean right now. And so, I'm not going to tell you, you have to read the book. So, But he'll be with us here in about two and a half weeks, so I'm looking forward to seeing him. Uh, we've gotten to be good friends over the years. And so, <clears throat> um, I guess, that, anything else? We all good, right? So if you want to see... Uh, uh, more promotions for our book. Just watch uh, this week, uh, uh, Pastor Rick Renner's uh, services. He every night at eight o'clock uh, he does it. And of course, sometimes during the morning too. Uh, and so, uh, well, it's on YouTube at eight o'clock at night, but it's on like the Victory Channel early in the morning, right? Did anybody see it on on TV? Um, uh, and so, um, all right, we'll be blessed, and uh, we'll see you Sunday.